This is Moonshine and Music with Joe Shelton. Wait a minute, that's me. Anyway, we're going to bring you some inspiring songwriters, musicians, and maybe some side challenges and other stuff around the music industry. So stick with us right now, because the show is coming your way. Woo! Moonshine and Music starts right now. Oh, man. Welcome to Moonshine and Music Special Edition. Woo-woo! At night, in the Thanks. back room of Books and Brews, where we had to do this with uh, today's guest, who is Jason Werfel, the yes. CEO of Books and Brews. And I know he doesn't like to be told that he's that, but he's it's weird also... weird hearing it out loud. I don't know why. He's a crazy uh, lead singer of the ukuleles. Yes. And, um, you know... It's also weird to say out loud, too, that there's, like, a band... That I'm a part of. It is like a ukulele band. Yeah. I mean, how do you like begin being in a ukulele band? What is the origin of the ukulele? I'm so glad ukuleles? you asked because it's really funny. So I uh, let's flash as fast as possible through it. Super jock nerd man, and I found myself working in baseball at one point where everything that I was doing was super jockey. When I've always had like a pretty good balance in my life, like a little bit of nerd, a little bit of jock. Like I played baseball in college. And, but I also was an English major, so I always felt like I had balance. Well, when I started getting my professional career, it was all jock all the time. And I started to get itchy about having some sort of creative outlet at some point. And for whatever stupid reason in my brain, because this is how it works, I'm like, well, ukulele's only got four strings on it, and it's little, so that must be the easiest instrument to play. Never played I've never played an instrument before in my life. <laughs> So I ordered one off eBay, as you do, and uh, I worked from home. That's the place where all instruments are born. Right? Yeah. Because I think the finest manufacturers on earth probably come under $20 on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> With giant flowers on the front of the <laughs> So I I started, so I worked from home at the time, and um, I did baseball lessons at night, uh, taught them, and I also, whatever, skip that part, boring, I would watch, or I'd work on my computer, work, 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 and I'd be like, Ugh get irritated, and then play the ukulele. Can I cuss in your show? Yeah. I, okay, cool. We always have an explicit. Okay, cool. I mean, I just want to make sure. your street band and see Tram Shackle on. Okay, You're cool. Gonna... All right. <laughs> I was just, I started to get to that point. I'm like, oh, I haven't asked yet. I should have asked that. So I was like, fuck it. Play ukulele. And I'm like, ah, fuck that. And then I'm going back to work. I'm like, ah, fuck that. And back to, so it's like this constant stream of just being irritated about what I'm doing. And so, so um, over time, you know, years went by. Eventually started Books and Brews. My mother-in-law had got me like a nice ukulele for Christmas, like one that plugged in. But I'm not, that's not me. Like I, so I, so when we opened, I'd never even plugged it in before, but I'm playing it for about a year. And I was good enough that I could strum by then, years later, like, um, you know, my favorite kind of songs. Like I knew 10 chords, like I knew how to, I could do okay. And so Brad, who's our original open mic host, when we first started open mic here at Books and Brews, it would be eight o'clock at night and they'd be like mopping the floors. We would have two people maybe that would show up and one of them was the host. And um, <laughs> and so at the end of the night, because then I would be brewing beer and because as a solo, it'd be like I'd brew beer from you know 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. So because I'm, you know, again, just labor of love all day long. It'd be 9 p.m., the place is empty, maybe the manager left counting the money, and I'd tell Brad, who's having another beer, I'm like, I have a ukulele that plugs in. I've never even connected it. I've never even, like, hooked it up yet. I've had it for... <laughs> and I know enough 
Would you want to like plug in? And so if you go back to our Instagram on Books and Brews, like all the way to the very beginning, 2014, one of like the first three or four entries is me playing Straight Cat Strut with uh, Brad. And I don't know how to keep time. I don't know how to, and, Brad, and we were very like Laurel and Hardy. Like, be like, be like, slow down, you're going too fast. I'm like, fuck you, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, who cares? Like, just sing, this is fun. And like, he, and so he always took it, even though he had the mohawk and he looked ultra, he took it so serious. And I think, at like a little kid, when people laugh at you for the first time, you're like, I want to do that again. So we would always, at the end of open mic, we would always get up and just kind of fuck around. And people kept laughing, and so we kept doing it a little closer, a little closer, more people in there. And then flash forward a, a long time ahead, eventually we had someone drop out. And at that time, Guy King, who, become, who comes around a lot, um, I was like, Guy, you know, I think between us, we could probably fill this slot. You play for an hour, the second hour, I'll just tell you the four chords. You know, and then I just will have an hour, and I think we could fill it because, like, like I was saying, someone dropped out at the last minute. So um, that was right, kind of the beginning on a of it. Night, not on the open mic night, but yeah, that was on a paid night. Like someone right. had dropped out, like on a like on a Friday, like night. on a Friday night, yeah. like at the last minute, and I was like, shit, you know, like guy, let's try to fill it, and we did, and <laughs> it was very what I loved, especially early on about ukuleles, and it still happens now, even though we have momentum, is that. It's this very Andy Kaufman-like experience where the people who get it are laughing their asses off. And the people who don't... Siri. Siri. (laughs) I gotta interview Siri. Leave me alone. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I said. But... uh, (laughs) So, um... So people who get it, get it. And the people who don't are like... I always get this, even to today, there'll be 60 people in the room doing jump for jump around or callbacks for, uh, you know, Ice Ice Baby or one of the songs we play. And I'll get people like, come around the corner, and be like, what is happening in there? So it's, it's this very weird dichotomy of totally get it, totally don't get it. And both are like equally funny. So, so um, and then it just escalated from there to the point where um, Brent, uh, Schlemmer, who's obviously a longtime regular. Brent. And, and the guru of uh, Moonshine music. He's, he's, he's in the credits. Oh, is he really? Yeah. So Brent one day is literally just like, you need a bass player. And I'm like, yeah, okay. He's like, I'm going to come play bass with you this Saturday. I'm like, okay, Brent. And he has the best ukulele bass in the world. And this was way before the ukulele bass. He would show oh, up. He, he, he would bring the, the real one. He would bring like the eight string or whatever. <laughs> bass, he had this huge eight string, you know. Now, that's me. Pretending to like I know what wow, wow, wow. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah right. Because uh, I don't know music. I literally just know my little four string ukulele and my ten chord still. And so uh, Brent. Then over time, Brent bought his ukulele bass, and he still brings all the pedals, right, and all the nonsense. It's just like he does during shows, I'll be just like, "What is happening over there?" Like look over, it's like crazy sounds coming out of it. And oh, then yeah. the, the, uh, the you know an interesting thing about that bass is that Brent plays bass in my band. <laughs> and so on my record, the one we were recording, yeah, he shows up one day for the recording session with that little ukulele bass, and I'm like, "What's really? that thing for?" And and he's like, "Well, it's bass." I'm like, "Okay." And we plug it into like the studio system, and he goes, "Boom!" And the whole room shakes, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" It's incredible what that little thing does. <laughs> And the strings on it look like rubber bands. Mickey Mouse from like the 60s when they're 
Uh, you know, the old Mickey Mouse 20s, right. and they're playing it, and the strings are like, like waving, like bouncing. Like, you think oh, you're yeah. like, wow. They like, move like nine miles when he hits them. They're like made out of string cheese or something. It's crazy. And so, yeah, it just became this weird conglomerate of we would get different percussionists, and Brad for a while had. What you know? He had a suitcase drum kit. He had a Samsonite suitcase. Oh yeah, with the kick on the suitcase. Yeah, yeah. He, with the tennis ball, and he still yeah. just used that. And, and the whole kit would go inside the suitcase, and then he just take it out. And eventually, he broke it because he's hitting it too hard. So now he's got like a little. I almost, I almost feel like bad that we have like a proper little drum kit. I'm like that's, that's kind of weird. Am I supposed to have a suitcase drum? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so guy plays guitar. And he's kind of the last link of like, guy, eventually we're gonna need to get you like a baritone uke or something. So that's like a full ukulele sort of shenanigans. Experience. Yeah. So anyway. Wow, that's that's that was, really cool. That was as short as I could make it. <laughs> I wanna unpack a whole lot of that for a yeah, second. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, that, that's the musical side of you. And like, yeah. the, it's a really cool thing that, you know, you guys have so many acts in here, like you let us come in and do our show here, mostly because it's a supporting the music community kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I um, uh, but you know, it, it boils back to where you began, which is interesting to me to like go back to that. Like, yeah. you, you, do you grow up in Indiana? No, I grew up in Michigan. You grew up in Michigan yeah. and you were a baseball player. I was, yeah, Northern, Northern Michigan. Um, I, I, uh, I loved athletics. I almost loved athletics through the nerdy side of athletics. And like, I almost found, I had this weird crossover dynamic. I felt like I was really into math, but I was in math from like a right brain perspective. Like I want to know how it applied in the real life. And in, and in athletics, it was the opposite. It was like, I loved athletics, but I loved it from like the super nerdy angle. Like I wanted to see how the stats played out. And I think that's why I love baseball so much because it was based on geometry and probability, but yet in math, like, so it was almost, I guess, talking it out, like it actually makes more sense than I realized before. <laughs> but. Um, so yeah, I've always had that, as I always like to put it, um, too jockey for the nerds, too nerdy for the jocks. Like I wanted to be on the jocks and talk about stats and all this stuff and like waste whatever. And I wanted to be around the nerds and be like, oh, you see the game? And they're like, no, we didn't in fact beat it. And so I found, always found myself in that middle ground. And of course, like I was born in the 80s. So growing up in the 80s, Revenge of the Nerds was a thing. A thing. And it was symbolic <laughs> of the culture that we had, at least in the United States. Like, you're a jockey, you're a nerd, and you're against each other, and that's it. And, you know, we slowly came out of that, very slowly, probably by 2005, 10, and realized, hey, guess what? It's okay if, like, a jock reads a book once in a while. You're not going to be judged by that. Hey, it's okay <laughs> if a nerd actually likes to watch football once in a while. And, uh, but I always felt that, that, um, it went beyond me and my personal place where people thought of, like, I didn't feel, ever felt like I had, like, the man without a country, like, on an island, like, I didn't feel like I could ever, and part of it was internet, right? Like, internet was kind of coming around, it was hard to find kind of your vein. Well, now we have the internet, but still, to have, like, that kind of oasis place where it's like, nobody notices. You can be rich or poor, you could have a family or not, you could, like, whatever, or everything in between, white collar, blue collar, you know, old, young, and people don't notice. Like, there's not a lot, and, and I was in minor league baseball for a long time, and minor league baseball figured that out. And the way they figured it out was because they don't control your experience. And when you don't control somebody's experience, like at a, what I call an assembly line restaurant, which is hostess, you have to sit here, don't move unless you have to go to the bathroom. They don't tell you that, but that's what, 
you're not really supposed to move. Like, because they want the, they want the lanes clear, which means the service staff is 5% faster, which means they turn 2% more profit. And if you don't believe me, just stand up the next time you're at Applebee's and start wandering around talking to people. They'll be like, yo, you probably should sit down. <laughs> or people are gonna think you're weird. So, I, you know, all of those things combined, it just was a, like it came out of me. I tell people this all the time, and I think you would appreciate this more than anybody or people who are watching this, is that if I was a true artist, like I consider myself a creative, but I'm not like a true artist, right? If I was a true artist, I'd be on tour writing songs about it. If I was a painter, I would paint pictures about it, but I'm not. I was raised in business. My, I grew up in the hotel industry, and then later minor league baseball, my brothers have been in business. So how I knew how to express um, myself, but also you know, what the, the mission, the purpose of what I wanted to do, the, the fingerprint I wanted to leave, I knew, the only way I knew how to do that was through business. And so that's why the mission of Books and Brews uh, to create a place for people without a place is highly, highly personal for me. Um, and there's a semicolon there that is too long for us to like put on the wall or the menus, but is um, where all are appreciated, and, uh, all are accepted, appreciated, and encouraged to be themselves. And I love the word encouraged more than anything because that's, it feels active. It's like an active participation in people's lives. And that's just not something that is available. It's also not something that's scalable. And I think that's, that's what insulates us in our coaching of our staff is that no one else in the industry is going to tell you to take vested interest in your customers to learn about them and encourage them to be themselves because that slows service, that slows time, that makes your table turn time less and you make less money. But it's sustainable because you develop relationships. And so, uh, yeah, you got me going about that. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, the, that's, that's, the, uh, <laughs> that's the whole point, right? Is that um, um, I just want to develop community, you know? And well, that's it's the wonderful part of, of Books and Brews in general uh, as a person who fell in love with the place and the concept. And, you know, you've had me play in every store that I, I think, except Oxford. Um, yeah, see <laughs> I want to play Knoxville, yeah. but, but I, you know, I go play music, music everywhere and, and everywhere at each store, you know, when you go into franchises in general, everything feels homogenized and it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like it's an organic place at each one of them. Like they have their own personality and their own, yeah. their own way to make you feel the same way, it's great. Uh, but it's a different uh, atmosphere. I mean, like, you know, here at the, uh, we're in the, the main, the mothership store, yeah. and, you know, which the oddest thing to me is that people say they're in Fishers and they don't realize they're in Castleton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, you know, no. It's just not. across 96th Street. Yeah. 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 I mean, over there, it's a whole other county. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. But I think it's kind of funny. And, and you call it the mothership, which really confuses people sometimes. Well, like, where's, our... where's that? Where's the mothership? I'm like, on another planet. Um, <laughs> it was the best thing I could come up with, right? Because it's, it's the original stuff. Because it's indie. Right. So I can't call it Fishers. Right. But if I call it Castleton, people will also be confused. 
And I couldn't call it Indy because we also have Mass Ave and Broader Bowl and now South Indy. Yeah, there's there's Indies, other Indies. And 96th Street feels so boring, doesn't it? Like an yeah. unfeeling? Well, it's Castleton. Right. I mean, so to the mothership just sounds... To the people that grew up and live here, it's Castleton. I got you. And, and like the people that have moved in uh, later, they're like, oh, it's Fishers, right? It's like, no, there's not one in Fishers. Yeah. There's one in Noblesville and there's one in Castleton. Right, right. <laughs> but there could be someday one in Fishers if anybody wants to put one there. But yeah, probably not. It seems weird because it would be right in between two yeah, of them. No, like, yeah, no. It'd be too close. really close together. You can start doing it when it becomes like McDonald's. You know, yeah. where there's one every two yeah. blocks, then then you can do that. You can fill in. Otherwise, why? Right. Right. Um, but no, I, I. But the thing that you know uh, that was a tangent. What I was saying is that I, I feel that sense of community, and I think that you know you should be proud of putting all that together. Well, I, I um, appreciate that. One of the, you know, this is going to sound weird, but when I was when I was thinking about books and brews and trying to, you know, in your sort of and you write songs, so you can appreciate. It's almost like this. It's not. It's a little more subconscious, right? Like you're trying to kind of just project your subconscious. You're not trying to like physically write, like you know, I went to the store, but you're like you like you like the emotions to come on the page uh, organically. And so it, through that process of trying to like business plan and feel it, it's trying to take like a very unnatural process, like a business plan, you know. <laughs> fucking, oh, I hate it, you know. Like I put a tie on just to like write it. You know, it must be done. Yeah, and it's just, it just so does not fit me, right? And so. And on the flip side, um, you want it to be completely organic, natural. It's you. You're trying to just put you on the page, and I probably like exactly like songwriting. And so I guess because we're done. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I, I, no, I do actually have a few originals that I wrote, and I think people just I, a couple people liked, but people liked to, to jump around a little more, so they just kept playing it. But but when it came to um, when it came to the business planning of things. Um, I just I forgot where I was going with that, Joe. What was I talking about? My my ADD medicine is clearly worn off by now. <laughs> Have a little more beer. I should, yeah, I guess. I'll jog the memory. You, but you were talking about uh, Fishers and Castleton and places. And, oh, okay, yeah, I got it. Okay, back. Uh, I saw this documentary, and it was on a thing I'd heard of, but I'd never participated in. It's called Second Life. Have you heard of it? Yeah. So I knew nothing about it, and all I remember from it, it wasn't. It was just that the creators created the rules, and they created a place, and the users created the rest. All the context, all the people, all the places, the things happened. It just, I mean, you know, the code and stuff was was. It, and in interviewing the owners of it, they're just like, we didn't know what was going to happen. Like, we just literally, we just, we just gave. Here's an island. Here's a place. Here's some, here's a, here's a, some software to play. And I thought that is fascinating in today's day and age. And of course, you know, like it's not that long ago, right? Six, six, seven, eight years ago that we're talking about. And today's day and age, when when all of the model is so given to us. This is what you have to do. You have to stand in this line. You have to wait. You have to tell me when you need rice and beans and all that shit. You have to tell you that the hostess will make you sit somewhere. You have to wait for someone to come to you. You have to, all of these things. And I started to think about that and just like, you know, if I just give the infrastructure and I just allow the store, and this is just back when I was thinking one store, but it remains true today. It's just the infrastructure. Things like when you put bookcases on the walls, it gives people license to get up and move around. You know, 
so it's not even about the books, right? It's just about the bookcase that now I'm walking. Now there's a thing. There's two people and there's a thing, and now there's a talking point, and now there's board games, and now there's, uh, you know, kids' books, a couple of toys, not like a kid's corner that much, but like just something to make sure the anxiety is pulled off the fact that like it is a community space and you're free to do whatever you want. No one's controlling your experience, like at the ballpark. And um, then all of a sudden, people who are different, and this is like real high level, right? Like, because what I saw was Twitter, Facebook, unless they're so Instagram, because they weren't as quiet the players like 10 years ago, is that people were getting to know ideas first and people second. Because anyone can go out and put out their idea, and no one has any context over who that person is, what their upbringing was, what their family was like. They just know their idea. And so the real high level end process was, if we can just get people to know people first, and their ideas second, and we get context to the people, then we'll be so much more open to their ideas, and the dialogue will be so much cleaner and uh, just open to hearing opinion that might be different than yours because you know that person's upbringing. You have more empathy, you know? It's really a struggle in our day right now. And it's not getting any better. No. (laughs) It's gonna keep getting worse because, because technology has increased our reach of relationships, but it's massively decreased our depth of relationships. I, I think that it has changed um, people's way that they talk to each other. Like, uh, you know, having having lived through the whole thing, you know, yeah. people that are younger don't quite get how less communicative they are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it because you know when we were hanging out like let's say in 1995 yeah. there weren't even cell phones no. so if you wanted to like get used some technology to communicate with someone somewhere else you literally had to go find a phone somewhere you know yeah <laughs> which you which know, was like my parents I had the bag and the phone in the car and they're like if you ever use it and you're not dying, we're gonna we're gonna kill you because it's like twelve dollars a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's, it's so outrageous. You know, and 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 at that time, people had thought that the the communication was crazy because kids could hide in a room on the phone and talk to people and not uh, uh, get into the family. Oh, right. And and the cordless they, phone. And they were like mistaken as to how cut off the world could become. <laughs> yeah. You know. On the other hand. These little things allow us to communicate with millions of people in a moment. Yeah. And the question is, do they hear you? It's good. I like that. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. I do they hear lot. you at all? Like, um, you know, since we, we are musicians, everybody comes on the show. Yeah. And, then, you know, and we're putting out this show on the Internet. Yeah. And, you know, we have a few people that hear it. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of the whole ocean that is the Internet. Yeah. You know? And uh, the question is, do, do, do people actually stop and, and listen to something that's like this, where our shows are like 35, 45 minutes long, you know? And for me, it's a big experiment. Secretive, episode 99. <laughs> You're gonna hear it. This is episode 99? Yeah, this is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a, um, uh, you know, uh, an experiment of, uh, for me 
on some level. On one level, I put together the show to say, hey, I want to bring in my community of music people and introduce them to the world. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it's will people actually pay attention to them? Because um, what I've seen in music, and you've seen it in restaurants, yeah. is that uh, music has become so regimented in terms of everybody has to be in a genre. And if you're in your, if you're, if you remove yourself from your lane, nobody wants to talk to you about your music. Yeah, it happens the same way when I'm booking shows for myself, right? Because I play a wide variety of music. I like a wide variety, so that's what right. I do. Yeah. But when you talk to people, they're like, "Well, what, what kind of music do you play?" Um, I play my music, you know, like the stuff. Right. Like, yeah. But, but, but what you get is, oh, are you country? Are you rock? Are you hip hop? They just want to know. Yeah. Like they they want to label you. Right. And that's the same thing you're talking about with the restaurant, right? Yeah. I, 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 me as Jack artist, nerd. Yeah. me as an artist and me as a producer of this show, I want all sorts of different stuff there. I want it to like become its own thing where you go there just to see music, not to see, you know, country music or rock music or right. hip hop or soul or jazz. Sometimes we'll have all of those. Man, can I, I'm gonna level that up because I'm you're firing me up so much, Joe. I love talking about this stuff, but like. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna level it up even more. Is that you're, it's not just music, it's inspiration, right? It comes back to the to like my mission. Maybe it's just me, okay? So, but encouragement, you know, that the creatives and the creative process was beautiful about a a, a creative um, song, painting, any artistic expression is what I'm trying to say. Is that it means a hundred things to a hundred different people. So. To say it's, yeah, out of you, it might be a country song, but, and that is why, like, I mean, right, I mean, we've all lived long enough to see country become rock and rock become pop, and like, and what does country, it even mean anymore? Country become hip-hop. Right, and yeah, like, what does it even mean anymore? It's, it's artistic expression, and the best thing I've heard in the last year is that you, even the artist that plays it, doesn't get to control what, the, what quality is. You don't get to control who likes what and also who hears what because someone who grew up listening to Hank Williams is going to hear rock. And someone who grew up listening to Florida Georgia Line or it's called, like they're going to hear country because you're way more fucking country than, than that, but you're also way more rock than you are Hank Williams. So like you don't get to control the context. All you can do is have the artistic expression and... The best artistic expression is the one that just goes out and lets people make of it what they will. Because just like a restaurant that forces you to sit and forces you to go somewhere and do something, um, you can't control how people see things and do things. And well, so, I yeah, mean, and I push back against all Record labels do that, though. They, and they do that very well in some cases because people like things they're familiar with in life. Yeah. You know, people are creatures of habit. People that are like that are not the people without a place that would come here. <laughs> and they're not the people that might listen to my music or some of the people I have on the show. I would, you know, I would. Um, but that's, that's fine for me. I want everybody to be, you know, if they're into our show, they're probably going to like the music that's coming out of it. <laughs> I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue for two reasons. Number one, I like to argue. And number two, number two that, that <laughs> really you like to argue? I do. I, it's like sport in my house growing up. Like <laughs> believing what you're saying is not even a, a prerequisite. Uh, but, but here's what I would say, and, and, and maybe I'm invested in it because it's like the mission of Books and Brews, right? Or maybe it's because it comes out of me, is that, is that 
I don't, I don't really believe there's anyone who feels like they really have a place, even if they think that. I think that it, it's metaphorical on another level that there's so many people that come in here, whether they're dragged here, whether it's a group, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a date night, whether whatever it is, that they, they find something here. And and I'm saying like the, the royal we, right? Like it's not just here, it's, it's any place. They find something in a place that they weren't looking for. They didn't even know they needed. People find things in songs. People find things in books that ignite something in them that they weren't even looking for. They weren't. Even, they didn't even know that they wanted to look for it. And they can't even describe it once it even happens. And so that's, like, that's the, the, the you know, and it has to happen personally. And that's where I think, um, I'm not trying to muddle this, but, but in the information age, which is which is awesome, right? Like that was a lot you talked a lot about. Let's unpack with all of the we can reach more people, but it's shallow. All those things is that um, the white space, the thing we have to do is do stuff like this because you know, ten people, twenty people, a hundred, five hundred, a thousand people who might listen. The difference is the people who are listening are really listening. In the eighties. The people that bought Michael Jordan on the Wheaties box, 80% of them just knew Michael Jordan kind of because there's only three sports on TV. And mom is like, yeah, I think the kids know who that is. In fairness, they are the best sports. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to start an argument. <laughs> I would love to. But <laughs> mostly fair. <laughs> but, like, but the difference is today, if you put a basketball player on the Wheaties box, the mom that kind of thought the kids would like it is now like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who LeBron, like LeBron James is nowhere near the fame of someone like Michael Jordan. Because there was only three sports on TV back then. So now, in other words, even though, so what I'm trying to say is, even as audience might shrink with the internet, because the options are so, like just ridiculously at scale, the people that do choose to tune in are doing it on 10 times the depth that they used to. Um, well, especially of things that aren't just like out there in the mainstream. You know, I think people fleetingly hear the mainstream, whatever music or a movie or whatever it is. Yeah. But people like are totally into the non-mainstream thing that they've clung to. You know, like people really love like Quentin Tarantino and he's become kind of mainstream. Yeah. But still not mainstream to the point of like the Avengers, you know, yeah. there's people that like cling to Tarantino because they really like his art. And a lot of people that would like something like the Avengers wouldn't even watch a Tarantino film. You know, <laughs> yeah, but Tarantino is a weird example because he has a career, right? Like he started this with Reservoir Dogs before, right? We, we, we were like Avengers were in the conversation, right? So, it, man, this is a great. This is another quote. But what's funny about the whole like movie thing too is like anything that's in the movies these days. What we're doing is we're pushing everything to the fridge: music, uh, board games. Um, um, books and movies is that you're either the small art house flick that's limited release <laughs> or you're the fucking $300 million Avengers. Right. So all you get is epic in the theater because Netflix and Disney Plus and all that 
has destroyed the market for anything in the middle. So think about music that way, right? SoundCloud, the SoundCloud generation of like the Post Malones or whatever, like they destroyed the middle ground, small time. Spotify more than SoundCloud, but yeah. Really? <laughs> so it's the same thing. It's the same thing with the book industry, right? Like the on-demand publishing has killed the small publishers, killed the small agents. Same thing with board games. It's like in board games, you're either a Kickstarter board game or you're like Hasbro, and you're mm-hmm. there's nothing in between anymore. Yeah. And so. Uh, well, and it's the same mostly with stores, unless you really find a niche. It's true. It's like you're Qdoba or you're the one Taco Shack that's like. 100 square feet somewhere. There's no like three or four store taco place anymore. Like it's you're either like massive fucking 800 stores or you're mm-hmm. one small itty bitty place. And yeah. in the middle is really hard to be anymore. Like it's just it's not like the market's not there. So you know is that part of like I, I you know you merged with Flat 12. Is that part of that? You know when you switched to Rad um, now, but yeah, is it uh, was part of that like a survival thing? Like, I'm, yeah. we're going to grab something else because, you know, we, we're, we're going to have to stay, you know, in this market. And the market's yeah. going to grab us and eat us if we don't eat it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, there, there's, there's uh, yes. The answer is yes. And the in business, so is anybody listening to this, the number one advice I, uh, that, that, that is interested in business because I know it's like a lot about music and I don't want to like bore people that don't want to no, tune in for business, but like... Here, here's what I say. If you're in music and you're trying to play it for a living, then you should be in business because if you're not, you're not going to get... It's not going to happen for you. So perfect. That's the perfect... That's the perfect... That's the perfect bump to my spike here, which is if you want to be in business and if you want to get paid to be a musician, then that's business. You're not a musician anymore. I would argue that. You're now in business. If you want to get paid, if you want to get paid, if you want to make a living off of it, then you have to love business. You have to love business. It doesn't matter what you do. I flip. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm flipping Disney VHS cassettes on on eBay. Like when I go home, I'm gonna check my listings and I'm gonna ship shit out. Like that's like just fun for me on the side. Like I just love to buy a thing for a dollar and sell it for five. Like if you love. Here's what, here's what, because uh, sometimes I hear some people give that line of like, oh, musicians, we buy all this gear and then we drive for 50 bucks. Well, like, that's business. Like, I paid 100 grand and I sold you a $6 pint. Like, that's, that's what you do. Like, you just have to do a lot more in order to make money. And so it's the, it's the same difference as you open anything is that um, you're trying to get something for as little as possible, your instruments or whatever, and you're trying to sell it for more and then make profit off of it. But we're still having this conversation in the day of opportunity that people still do things that make them mad. Like, why would you ever do a thing? Because, like, back in the day when your great-great-grandfather worked at the fucking coal plant, and there was that was it. And you better listen, because if you get fired, there's nowhere else to work. <laughs> right. You better walk to the next fucking town yeah. and hope they don't hear that you got fired from the town over. Because you can't even afford to take the train to two two states over and they haven't heard of your dumbass. You're gonna walk yeah. from there, yeah. And, but today, like you can get on the internet and you can get a gig seven states away, you can move well you, you can know, do it like why would the you do with, the thing with music and the, I love playing in front of like actual live people. Yeah. But I can tell you right now that I can go on Facebook Live every night and have more people um, watch me play than I do here. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the you know, 
but they're disconnected from me. You know, right. I, I I want people. I want to connect with people actually. So I while well, I put stuff out on the internet, and I and I you know I love all those people out there that listen to my music all over the world, but. I love the people. I love to like get actually hand to hand and meet them. And I can't afford to drive to Australia or fly there to play. <laughs> yeah. So here's you know, what. So I, you know, I do what I can do, right? I come and play at Books and Brews because all my friends are here. And then you know, I play a lot of shows at, at bigger venues with bigger places and lots more people in them. But the, it just depends on 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 that you know that give and take. I'm gonna tie all of these things together because. Here is okay. So I bought flat twelve, right? The first thing I did is I walk in, and you've heard my mission at Books and Brews. I go, "What's the mission?" They go, uh, "Make good beer." It sounds ridiculous, right? <laughs> they don't have one. They've been in business for eight years. It's a brewery with a million dollars worth of equipment in the back. They don't have a mission. <laughs> uh, if there's musicians listening to this, what's your mission? What's your mission? What's your purpose? Is it just to make music? Then what you need to say is, why? Why do you want to make music? Well, I want to make money. Well, okay, that's fine. That's the thing. you got to eat. That's the reason. Why? <laughs> but the question is why. Why do you want to make money? Well, so I can eat. Okay, that's fine. But that's that's not going to inspire anyone. And if, if you're a musician that's not looking to inspire anyone, I don't think that's I don't think that's the end goal of the creative process. Do you want to move people? Do you want to change their life? Do you want to inspire them to create? You have to if you're going to do this thing as a as a business, add value, get value, value add, get money back. There has to be a mission. If you want to connect, I want to I want to I want to inspire people to get out and create on their own. Now you have a mission, and that mission is going to sculpt the art you create. And the art you create, you know, Joe, I know for example, you have a lot of moving songs. So I know part of that purpose is to is, is to touch people's hearts, right? And when you touch people's hearts, like they have different reactions in 10,000 different ways, but it's something you take to the stage every night. And it's something that when the set is over, you take to your personal interactions every night. And a person that doesn't have that, this is what they do. They come in with their lunch pail, they play their songs, and then they skedaddle. And there's, and as silly as it sounds to have a, a million dollar brewery with no mission, it's the same thing as the lunch pail musician that has no purpose for why they're creating music. Like you have to have a reason why you're doing it. And that reason has to be evident. And I'm gonna tell you, ukuleles too, as silly as our dumb shit is, we play 90s music. Every time we play, I get up on stage and I say, everyone's dealing with some heinous shit right now. People have stuff in their personal lives that are unspeakable. People have politics that are blowing their the head top of their fucking heads off. But every time I get on stage, I say, none of that shit matters for the next two hours. And that's my mission with the ukuleles is that it's a cut and release of all the stuff people deal with every week. They work super hard, they get paid, they come out, they need to fucking forget about it for two hours. And that is something that as silly as it is, it really drives my purpose of doing it. It really, really fucking fires me up. Well, and I understand that. I mean, my my purpose in going and playing my shows, if people have been to like one of my regular shows and not like here when I'm hosting open mic or something, then they might hear that I would talk about why I'm there, which is yeah. really all about um, I want to get out and meet people. I felt like I was isolated in my house when my brother passed away. Yeah. And I'm like, so I was like, I have to go out here and shake hands and talk to the people 
And my way of talking to people may be like face to face, or it may be that I need to write a song about what I'm feeling. Right. And so that, you know, if you hear what I'm putting out there in a song and a lot of them have a lot more, like everything I do is passion, you know, compassionate. It might be, you know, um, about I'm passionate today about beer drinking. That might be my song, or I might be doing one that's about, you know, um, uh, what it's like to be feeling at home or one that's about, you know, uh, missing my brother or one that's about, you know, some friends that I used to have or my kids, you know, <laughs> and, and those things are out there because I'm trying to put myself out there to meet people because I need to feel more connected with the world, you know, and I want them to feel connected with the world. And that's what I do. And, and, you know, it feels like that's what your mission is. You know? And you do a great job of it, just to give you kudos. Like, I will tell you, this is exactly what you do to me personally, is exactly what I, I would hope people with a true mission and purpose of their business, whether their business is music or their business is bar, restaurant, or whatever it is, is that the Maya Angelou, Angelou quote of people don't remember what you say or do, but they always remember how to make you feel, right? And so, it's more about starting there, reverse engineering, how do we make people feel anything today, number one. But how do we make, you know, so, and then what do I want them to feel? And then how do I make that happen? And for me, I'll tell you right now, like, it's not like, unlike Ice Ice Baby, what I know by heart, that doesn't make me feel anything, those words. But like, your songs, which I don't know by heart, like, I feel, like, I can I can visualize you and playing that guitar and, uh, you know, other than the titles of the songs, like, I, I feel it. And, and I think, and I think, and I hope uh, musicians, that's what they want, right? And so trying to figure yeah. out how to make that happen. And that's, magical. You know, that's what we're going, that's what we bring on here, people that feel. You know? Feel, yes. Yeah. Uh, and some people send me submissions and most of the time it's completely how do they make anybody feel anything that's what i want them to be on yeah totally you know it isn't necessarily about their talent level or their their genre or whatever i like it's right. do they make people feel and connect because that's what i want to have on my show i mean let's be honest right like how many people are not like it's not like it's not like mtv is like the like the fucking classically trained of the world it's people that have found a way that it resonates. Like, what is it that resonates? It doesn't even fucking, like, it doesn't even matter what the medium is. Like, here, I want personal connection. My mediums are beer, music, board games. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't, I don't care what it is that I have to do. I want people to connect with each other. And whatever I have to do to do that, is part of the reason, like, Rad. Like, Rad is more sports-oriented, but it's the same train, different car. Like, I just, I'm finding new ways, I'm trying to find new ways to make that happen. And so, but that, that's on me. So for, you know, for you and whoever listening, like their music career or their whatever career, like, I think anyone, I don't care, I don't care what your job is. You have to have some sort of personal purpose and mission, and then it controls your actions. It controls your outputs because you always have a North Star to guide how you Interact well, and the hardest thing is that you know, um, working in in uh, certain things, you're just doing it to earn a living. You may not have the North Star is there's a paycheck coming on Friday. <laughs> you know? well, and, 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 For a lot of people, that's and, and that's true. It's you know? understandable, and I don't mean to be crass about it. But if your North Star is to make a living, I 
I believe this and you can reject it if you want is that if your North Star is to make a living and you're in the creative space of trying to move people, you've already lost because it's it's over for you because people will see through your bullshit if you're just gonna lunch pail it, you know? Right. You have to make them. Right. You better be working as an office manager or something. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if it's an extra 50 bucks to pay your family, then I don't wanna fucking book you anyway. I want people to come off the stage <laughs> and say, I'm Joe. How did you do, you know, how you doing tonight? How are you doing? Like, that's what I want. Like, I want community. I want people to be like, hey, thanks for listening to me. Buy my fucking CD and then bounce. Like, you know, no. Yeah, that rarely works. It never will. <laughs> it, you know what it'll work? The problem is that it works once, twice, three times. But it's 0% sustainable. I, I, I've, uh, you know, it's the funny thing you say that. There are a million different ways to try and sell your merch because that's mostly how you like make any money as an independent musician. Like whatever you get paid from the venue or and tips, generally just pays for your gas and your equipment. Right. If you if you're gonna make anything extra, it's because you're selling something extra like a CD or a shirt yeah. or or a sticker or something. Absolutely. You know, and um, so like it's like how do you present these things to people? <laughs> <laughs> there's a million different ways and a million different ways to make it work and there's 25 billion ways to make it not work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've failed at every last one of them. So I, I, I can tell you from experience and trial and error that, you know, it is what it is. But um, it's not the same as, um, you know, like you say, if you're in business and you have a plan to do that, you know, you may not like making the plan or putting your tie on, but... That really, I think, resonates with me when you say that. Like, that I, I, I hate putting this on. I really do this stuff. Well, maybe I need to put, you know, as a musician, sometimes put my shirt and tie on and go, I need to make a little bit of a plan here so I don't lose my shirt being a musician. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take, it, yeah. I'll, I'll take it back, and this is what I'll say, is that what it, what it needs... Okay. Here's the, here's the easiest analogy, is that it's just got to be a bank account. And I tell this to like our service staff all the time. Here's the number one problem with any kind of service staff, and I'm, I'm gonna maybe stretch that definition to musicians, is that their bank account is like this. Hi, I'd like to deposit 100. Can I withdraw 125? Well, no, interest hasn't fucking built yet. You got 100 in there. Like, you, you know, so here's what you gotta do. You have to deposit, 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 let interest build, and then you withdraw. If you ask, 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 and not give anything, then there's, there's, there's nothing in there to take out. Every time you ask for something, buy my CD, buy my merch, whatever, you're making a withdrawal. Every time you make people feel something, you add something, you play those songs, you say something that resonates, you get off the stage, you talk to them, you're depositing, 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 depositing. And guess what? Like a real bank account, you gotta deposit for a while and let interest build before. So people that just ask, 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 and they're wondering like, why is there zero in my bank account? Why is nobody paying me? Why, why am I? Well, because you're fucking selfish. Like, you know, you have, like, not, like nobody's feeling it, dude. All you're doing is asking them to get out their wallets and put money in the, like, you have to, you have to invest in, um, in, in the people first before maybe even years, maybe even years before you decide to ask that withdrawal. A, a lot of us are in awe of how you've taken one store like this one and parlayed it into a bunch of franchise stores. And that's uh, definitely, it's, it, 
it's it's something that is not just a um, an accident, you know. And um, so, you know, kudos on all that, and and congratulations on all the things you're doing out there. Do you want to play a song in your youth for us before we hang it up? Oh man, I don't know. I can try. You got it back here. Right? I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I wrote. I have. I have original tunes. But, then, but, then, but I, don't, I don't know if I can even remember it. We're only around original tunes. I mean, people can go to our like web pages and find the ukuleles and see them playing Ice Ice Baby and such. But only here will they get an original. <laughs> yeah, I to be honest with you. I'm not even sure I remember how exactly my original tunes go. So, so one of the funny things about the ukuleles that I'll, this is the last thing I'll say is I, I, I can try to remember the words to this, but um, back in 2005-ish, uh, this is, this is going to give you a glimpse of my personality, right? Uh, mm -hmm. My wife's in law school. We got married after her first year in law school, and one of her, she became kind of best buds with another uh, woman in law school and um, her now now husband, then boyfriend, played ukulele. We went over to the house and I'm like, oh, you play ukulele, that's cool. I don't play any instruments. And he's like, and he's like, oh yeah, it's fun. And I was like, cool, let's start a band. He's like, I thought you said you didn't play. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> but like, let's start a band. And uh, you know, Bob Marley or whatever, I'm like, whalers, I'm like, ukulelers. We're gonna start a band called ukulelers. <laughs> and he's like, but you don't play. And I'm like, what does that matter? I'll, fi I'll figure it out. It's like four chords, four, or four, you know, strings and some frets, whatever. And, and uh, so our our running joke was like, yeah, I'm gonna start a band. It's gonna be called the Ukulelers. And I started coming up with song names. He's like, maybe we should learn how to play before you start coming up with song names and lyrics. And I was like, nah, it's fine. Our, our first album is gonna be called Cookies and Beer. And to the point where like, I was taking pictures of like album covers and stuff and this is totally how my brain works is that like I'm literally just thinking about like this is really fun this is our album cover and this is our song and uh, he's like yeah still Jason you haven't even ever even picked up a you could learn a single chord maybe you should do that first I'm like ah it'll come later <laughs> that's the easy part the marketing's the hard part we gotta figure that part out first so <laughs> this song if I can remember it Okay, I got, okay, I think I have the chords. Hold on one second. Let me see if you remember the order they go in. Let me, uh... Whack. Oh, shit, I think I remember how to play it. If I whack a couple things, I might have some space. We can record the music a little better. Because we're using the much scaled down version of the show today. Nice. There we go. So this is how I think I remember how it goes. I'm not sure what you're thinking, but to me it's clear. We go together, girl, like cookies and beer. <laughs> yeah, I did remember that. When I met you, I knew it was true. I grew. <laughs> oh shit. Went to do our special place. Mm -hmm. Shit, I can't. 
we're together, we're better than I thought. Shit. Oh man, I thought I had it. I'm not trying to remember the words. Um, perfect combinations, me and you. Let's get the chords right. You say we don't go together, but I disagree. You say we go together like one plus one is three. But listen up, baby, this you'll want to hear. I say we go together, girl, like cookies and beer. presentation of not less entertainment copyright 2019 all rights reserved our producer is joe shelton our cameraman grip and stunt double is brent lee smith on cameras and all sorts of other stuff bailey shelton and our staff guru is brent schlimmer join us each sunday for more episodes of moonshine and music